Thank you, Doris. Good morning, everybody. Now, last Sunday, I had a problem with not just one mic, but two mics. And now this morning, I'm RoboMic. I've got one mic over here, one mic here, one mic here. So there is absolutely no way that nobody will be able to hear me today. So, And Chris was mentioning before the service, he's like, two mics? And you don't even need one mic. Now you got two mics? So I'm going to be trying out this, uh, this guy right here. So I have a little worm coming off my ear. And I still have uh, what I'm comfortable with, my lapel mic. The only thing is, every time I want to get emotional, I cover the mic like this. But um, the title of this morning's message is called The Mystery of God. And in the next 25 minutes or so, we are going to unpack a little bit of what the mystery of God is like. I know for some of you, you're thinking a title like the mystery of God, how on earth is he going to unpack that in 25 minutes? I'm going to have to figure out how to sneak out of here. I have a Super Bowl party to get ready for. So just, just by a, a round of applause this morning, how many Seattle Seahawks fans do we have in here this morning? Good, I see the balcony. On the other side, how many Denver Bronco fans do we have? <laughs> Who didn't even know there was a soccer game on today? <laughs> it's a football game, Chris. It's a football game. The Super Bowl, America's highest grossing national sport. I guess if you're a baseball fan, you might argue, but there is a Super Bowl game going on today, but we are going to unpack the mystery of God, and we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper, and we're all going to get back in time to get ready for our Super Bowl parties. Now, right, what we're going to do here, right off the beginning, hey, hi, Tony, I'm the guy preaching. Uh, how you doing, buddy? How's the PowerPoint coming along this morning? Good? Okay, what we're going to do here is I'm going to be our scripture reader for this morning, but we're going to do something uh, a little bit different because I want to kind of lead by example, uh, give an example of effective and strategic Bible reading. So when you read your Bible throughout the week, when you read your Bible throughout the week, I'm looking at you up there. No, I'm talking about my students who don't read their Bible throughout the week. One of the biggest challenges for us, especially in a world that is so busy, is to take time out of our lives to read the scripture. To sit down with a cup of coffee or a cup of tea and you alone with God allow his word to speak to you. Now, it's a good habit when you're reading scripture, to read from a couple of different Bible translations. And at first, I recommend that you find yourself a Bible that is a more literal word-for-word -word translation, something like the New American Standard Bible, or the English Standard Bible, or the King James Version, a type of Bible that is more Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic, straight to English. It's a more literal, more word-for-word -word translation. And then secondly, I recommend you find another Bible 
a, a paraphrase, a Bible that's more of a thought for thought. Um, it focuses on not so much the specific words, but getting the idea that the biblical writers are trying to get across. And I would recommend Pastor Eugene Peterson's book, The Message, or The Living Bible, or The Voice. But whatever it is, you need to have a literal Bible translation, and you should have a paraphrase to go along with that. And now, I believe it's valuable to have at least two Bibles, one very literal, one paraphrased. And the reason is that you'll just, you'll have a better understanding of what God is speaking through particular passages. A great man once told me that if you are not reading the Bible, you are not growing in your relationship with God. If you want to know Jesus, then you simply must engage in God's word. And that means that your Bible translation needs to be in a language that you're most comfortable with. And it also has to be one that you can understand and you can interact with and memorize. And I'd like to take this opportunity to kind of share my point of view with modern technology. Um, and in particular, the great gift, the powerful resource of uh, Bible apps. And at the click or the press of a button we can have a number of commentaries or translations of the Bible right at our fingertips. And when we're in a big group setting like this, or we're in a coffee shop, or, or we're out and about, it, it, it's nice to be able just to click the button and have all kinds of Bible-related literature at your fingertips. And uh, I do have a problem, though, with using iPads or iPhones and iPods as your main method of communicating with God. You see, you open up the door for greater opportunity for distraction. If you want to spend quiet time with God, and you grab your cup of tea, cup of coffee, and, uh, and you sit down, there's so many pop-ups and advertisements and text messaging and things that just keep popping up on your phone that don't allow us to have 100% focus on God's Word. And that is a problem. So I encourage our students, I encourage you to grab yourself a good hard copy, paperback Bible, one that you can write in and highlight and scribble and make notes. And then when you want to spend some time reading God's word, you can actually read the word, meditate on them, listen to God speak, and you don't have to worry about uh, pop-up advertising or text messaging or something going on with, with your technology. Uh, that's my heart on the topic. I do use my phone quite often and my iPad, but when I'm a home alone spending time with God, I open up the paperback Bible. So that's my view on that. Um, now we're going to get going here. We are in the book of Colossians. We have been studying it. I've been kind of going through it, breaking down a few verses at a time. And today we're in Colossians chapter 1. We're going to focus on verses 25 to 27. But for the sake of reading it and getting the flow of the message, I'm going to read the scriptures from verse 25 to 29. And I'm going to read it first from the New American Standard Bible. This is our literal word-for-word -word translation. And then I'm going to read it from a paraphrase. And then I just want you just to, just to look at the words on the screen, listen to it, interact with it, see what God is kind of shining the big light on for you. But this is an example of how we can look at the Scripture in different ways. So, Colossians 1, 25-27. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Colossae. Of this church, I was made a minister to the stewardship from God bestowed on me for your benefit, so that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God. 
That is the mystery which has been hidden from past ages and generations and now has been manifested to his saints to whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ. For this purpose also I labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. That is a more literal word-for-word -word translation of that particular text. Now, we're going to read a paraphrased version from Eugene Peterson. Now, this is from the message. So, listen to this translation. This mystery has been kept in the dark for a long time, but now it's out in the open. God wanted everyone, not just the Jews, to know this rich and glorious secret inside and out. Regardless of their background, regardless of their religious standing, the mystery is, in a nutshell, just this. Christ in you. So therefore, you can look forward to sharing in God's glory. It's that simple. That is the substance of our message. We preach Christ. Warning people not to add to the message, we teach in a profound, a spirit of profound common sense so that we can bring each other, each person, to maturity. To be mature is to be basic. Christ, no more, no less. That's what I'm working so hard at, day after day, year after year, doing my best with the energy that God has so graciously given me. That is our scripture reading for today. And really, when you think about what we just read, it's pretty straightforward. But we're going to dig a little bit deeper into this mystery. And we'll start by praying for the message this morning. Please pray with me. Father God, we just received your word. It was kind of a neat thing to see how the scripture can, can come through to us in a very literal Greek, Hebrew to English translation. But also, God, we have been blessed with the opportunity to have so many resources available. And to read a paraphrase like that to help us understand uh, a topic like the mystery of God uh, is a blessing. We thank you for your word. And now we pray that the Holy Spirit would open up our hearts and our minds to receive the message that you have for us this morning. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. All right. So right away when we read that, there are four things that stick out there for me. And we're going to go through these, one through four. And um, if it's not a habit that you're already into, uh, bring, bring your Bible to church. Bring a notepad uh, right in the bulletin. We're going to start providing some notepads in, uh, in the bulletin, on the Sunday bulletin, so you can make notes on the sermons. Because you never know when God is going to reveal something to you in a message, or maybe he's going to lay the name of somebody on your heart, and you want to write that down. So if you don't already have a notepad, maybe start bringing one to church, or we'll start providing one. So let's look a little bit at the background about the mystery of God. Number one, the mystery of God was made known through the word of God. We Christians need the regular teaching and preaching of God's word. We need it to challenge us and to confront us and to convict us. We need it to conform us to the character of God, who God calls us to be. We need it to calm our fears. We need it to keep us on the right path. And I often share that as a Christian coming here on Sunday morning and receiving God's word, that's not enough. You need God's word every day. Amen? 
You need to get together with other Christians outside of Sunday morning worship. And as part of the leadership at Thornhill Baptist Church, I can help you get connected. I mean, even tomorrow night, if I'm not mistaken, Monday night, there's a Bible study downstairs that Jerry leads and Allison helps lead that. And they bring out God's word. They discuss it. They dig into it. They talk about Sunday sermon. And anybody here is invited to join. Seven o'clock, Jerry? Seven o'clock downstairs, there's a Bible study. But if you want to get connected, talk to myself or Pastor Gary or Christy or Pastor Ken, and we'll make sure you're part of a regular Bible study outside of the Sunday hour. Um, the point is, the mystery that we're talking about here today was made known through God's word. And we cannot stress enough the importance of being engaged in regular reading and study in the Bible. Yesterday, a small group of us met upstairs uh, for a baptism and membership information class. And in particular, the class I taught was on baptism. And as we were going through our Bible study on baptism, we were looking at what it looks like to live the Christian life. And we were reminded of two of the most important parts for the life of a follower of Jesus. And that is number one, prayer, which we already took part of here this morning. And number two, scripture, which we also just took part of. Those two elements are the most important parts of the follower of Jesus, prayer and scripture. We need to be in communication with God. And we need to make sure that that communication is both sharing our heart, sharing where we're at with our Lord. He wants us. He wants to hear us. But also we need to listen. You need to find that quiet place in your life where God's spirit can speak to you. And it usually happens through his scripture. Um, also... Uh, so we looked at 2 Timothy 3.16, and in fact, Friday night at the church here, the students and I, we participated in a little event we call Cinema God. I noticed in uh, Allison's newsletter that she put together, the monthly newsletter for Thornhill, you can read a little bit about what Cinema God is about. It's, uh, it's an opportunity for our students to kind of reach out to their friends, invite their friends to church, and on a Friday night, we watch a movie, and then we enjoy some snacks, and then we, uh, we try to learn from the movie that we're watching. There's a lot of life lessons that can come from listening to stories, especially from videos. Jesus himself was a good example of this, right? He used parables. He used to tell stories to help people understand the kingdom of God or understand the spiritual life. And so we do the same thing. Our modern day parable are movies. And so Friday night, we ended up on the topic of following rules, or listening to your parents and teachers, and we looked at this scripture from 2 Timothy. And 2 Timothy says that all scripture is God-breathed. All scripture is God-breathed. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that you and I may be equipped for every good work. So the word of God is vital to our Christian journey. And the mystery that we're talking about today was made known through the word of God. The Apostle Paul says here that this is part of his ministry, to fully and faithfully proclaim the word of God. All right, number two on our background points about the mystery of God. The mystery of God was hidden from past ages and generations. The news about Jesus Christ or Jesus the Messiah, like we sang this morning, was not known before this generation. For those of you that don't know, Jesus is Jesus. Jesus Christ simply means Christ is the Greek word Christos. That means anointed one. Jesus is the anointed one. 
Now, Messiah is the Hebrew word for the anointed one, Jesus Messiah. So when we say Jesus Christ, Jesus Messiah, essentially we are saying Jesus, the anointed one of God. And we say Christ in you, we could really say Messiah in me, Jesus Christ in you, Jesus Messiah in me. And so the news about Jesus Christ, the Messiah living in you, was not known before this generation of Colossians. You see, it wouldn't even have been on their radar because the idea of the coming chosen one or the coming anointed one of God, it was different for them. The Jews had a very specific view on who the Messiah was to be. You know, based on the Old Testament scriptures, the Jewish people had a picture in mind of just exactly who this Messiah would be. And that is that the Messiah would be with them. The Messiah would lead them. He was going to rule them and he was going to guide them. Messiah would free them, and he was going to move the nation of Israel into a position of prestige and, and prominence and lead the country back into peace and prosperity. The idea of the coming Savior or the coming Messiah was very clear to them. And so Messiah in you or Christ in you, that wouldn't even have registered with them. They weren't looking for a concept that, like that. They were looking for a hero to ride in on a white stallion. And you know what? If you listen to some of the words that they associated with their coming Messiah, Messiah would rule them. Messiah rules. Messiah leads. Messiah frees. Now that's the same thing that we experience with Christ in us. It's the same thing we experience with Jesus. He is ruling us. He is leading us. He frees us. In other words, the mystery that they did not have before was revealed to the saints of God in the New Testament is that the coming Messiah that you've been waiting for to come overthrow your enemies and, and set up the kingdom here on earth, he's already set up the kingdom inside of you. The things that they were expecting him to do in the world, he's doing it through his people in each person that he dwells. And now here's the third part of the background of the mystery of God. The mystery of God was manifested in God's saints. So the saints of God are going to be those who understand this mystery. In verse 27, we read, To whom God willed to make known. And that tells us that it was God himself who made this mystery public, not anybody figuring it out. It was made known by the will of God. And the fourth piece on the mystery of God is, It was also made known among the Gentiles. You see, friends, throughout most of history, God's interaction with humanity and dealing with the world has pretty much been only for and through the Jewish people, the Israelites. Everything that has come through has come through God's chosen people. And now the Gentiles, non-Jews, that's you and me, we're always on the outside looking in. You know, but now it says, made known among the Gentiles. That puts you and I right in the middle of it. It brings us in. The dividing wall has been broke down. We're all part of the family of God. So here we are. What is the mystery of God? The mystery of God is Christ living in you, the hope of glory. Last Sunday, we celebrated Alpha Cargo's baptism. And when we listened to Alpha share a little bit about his story, you know, he reminded us that now Jesus is not just a part of his life, but Jesus is in him. Christ is in Alpha. And uh, this week, I will be cheering for the Seattle Seahawks. 
fans, uh, uh, I'll be cheering for the Seahawks this afternoon. But here's one of the reasons I like the Seahawks. I like their quarterback. He's been throwing the ball for them for two years, Russell Wilson. And uh, this guy, he, he follows Jesus. He loves Jesus. Not that the Denver Broncos, Broncos don't have any Christians on their side either. Their quarterback is also a man of faith. But he shared, Russell Wilson, Seattle quarterback, shared that there are some things in life that are more important than football. He actually came out, and I'd like to hear what his uh, coaches or some of the non-believers on the team had to say about this, but he said that Jesus is bigger than the Super Bowl. And they recorded this, and, and there was about four or five other teammates that also shared their faith in God. But he also says that the most important thing in his life was not football. It's the fact that God is in him, that Jesus is in his life. So Jesus is in Alpha Cargo. Jesus is in Pastor Freddie. Jesus is in the Seattle Seahawks quarterback. And God wants to make an appeal through us. In this world, God is asking his followers to open yourself up to me and let me live through you. And so another example of this is uh, sometimes in Sunday school, you'll hear the Sunday school teacher say, have you taken Jesus in your heart? And it's not uncommon to hear that question or this statement that we take Jesus into our heart. And I didn't always know what that meant, but I sure do today. That statement or that question is talking about the mystery of God. And that is not just that God is for you. It's not just that God is around you. It's not just that God is with you. But we're talking about God in you. We teach it. We state it. We declare this mystery of God so often I'm sure we're not even aware of it. Over and over again in Christianity, we hear that Jesus lives in your heart. And if you're a believer, he makes his home in your heart. Followers of Jesus everywhere say that. But what difference does it make? How does the mystery of God impact us? Is it just good information? Okay, I know that Jesus lives in me through the Holy Spirit. I know that. But what difference does it make? Here's the difference. It's because the same power that got up from the dead and left the open tomb is the same power that's inside of you. The same one who is able to call life out of death, heal people with deadly diseases and sicknesses, who had profound wisdom, who was a revolutionary leader. That same one is dwelling inside every believer. That's the difference that it makes. And it's the difference between whether or not we go through life thinking my past defines me. I mean, that's what the counselors are always saying. That's what was told to me, that, that my past defines me. If you look in your past, this is what your future is going to be like. Well, friends, your past may tell you where you are today, but it's Jesus that determines where you'll be tomorrow. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's the good news, friends. It doesn't mean, I mean, it doesn't matter what side of the tracks you grew up on. It doesn't matter if you're from Edmonton. It doesn't matter the things in your past. It doesn't matter what family dynamics you have. It doesn't matter. What matters is that Christ in you, the hope of glory, determines where you go forward from here. Now, the mystery of God seems pretty straightforward. Jesus lives in me. Is it time for football? Not quite yet. We're going to dig a little bit deeper. What does this mean for us as a Christian church? What does this mean for me as a Christian? Here are the four points for 
what this means for us. The mystery means for us as Christians. Number one, Jesus Christ is always present. The New Testament teaches very clearly that Jesus Christ lives in believers by his spirit. We can find these truths in Romans, Ephesians, 1 Corinthians, over and over. The New Testament is reminding us Jesus lives in you. He makes his appeal through you. Matthew 28, Jesus said to his followers, I am with you always. Wherever you are, he is. That's, that's our big truth. That's what we want to take away from today. Wherever you are, Jesus is. If you like, take that with you. That is the summation of the big truth of what the mystery of God is. This means that you're never in a place where you're alone. The abiding presence of God is always with you. And this also has an influence on the challenge that we've received from Pastor Gary in his teaching series. Be the visible Jesus. He's been preaching about us finding our passion and combining that with sharing Jesus. And we've come up with that banner statement, that mission statement that tells us, be the visible Jesus. So, becoming the visible Jesus, and also when you grab hold of this truth, that as a Christian, wherever you are, Jesus is, then becoming the visible Jesus in your neighborhood, or your school, or your job, or Thornhill, it's as simple as you just getting out of the way. Put your selfish agenda, your selfish desires aside, and yield to him who's living in you. Let the Spirit of God live through you and let Him interact with, with your classmates or your neighbors or your co-workers. Number two for the mystery of God. As a Christian, your hope of glory is Christ in you. This is a good point, friends, because how do you know that there's a heaven when you die? You know because the Holy Spirit dwells in you. He was given to you as sort of a down payment for your future home so you can have confidence that the best is yet to come. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ today, you can have hope for tomorrow. He is your hope for eternal glory, and one day you will see him face to face. Number three. As a Christian, your hope is Christ in you. Why do we Christians try so hard to make life better? Why are we always looking for the next best thing to, to, to make better decisions? We're constantly striving for something more. We feel like if we can just bear down and focus and be a little more disciplined and have a little more determination, just a little bit more time, we can work this thing out called the Christian life. Throughout the Gospel of John, one of my favorite Gospels, Jesus tells us he didn't come on his own initiative. He did not speak on his own initiative. He didn't act on his own initiative. But whatever the Father said, the Father. Jesus was our example of living a life of dependence before the Father. He did not grab the bull by his horns and take control and decide how everything here would play out as he filled his role as the Savior. No. Instead, he lived a life of dependence on the Father. He continually broke away from the crowds. He continually went to be alone with his Father. There's a great quote by C.S. Lewis, and uh, the C.S. Lewis quote, I have a little typo there. C.S. Lewis writes, the bulk of the Christian life should be lived in a response, not initiative. The bulk of the Christian life should be lived in a response, not initiative. So C.S. Lewis was trying to teach us that let Jesus be the initiator. 
and then we respond to his leading. Or put another way, we let the Holy Spirit lead us to move in us and then guide us as we respond to his promptings. Or, in the words of a famous uh, country western singer theologian Carrie Underwood, she taught us, Jesus, take the wheel. It's not us living for God. It's God living through us. We don't change ourselves. God develops his character in us. It's more trusting and less trying. It's more following and less leading. It's more abiding and less striving. That is Christ in you. That is the hope of glory. And finally, number four, for what the mystery means for us as Christians. As Christians, there is equality in Christ. Imagine what this statement meant for the Gentiles. They were no longer excluded from the glory and the promises of God. Now we all have access to the Father through Jesus Christ. We sang this morning that the veil was torn in two. We have access to God, all of us. Friends, it doesn't matter where you come from or you're the family that you're born into. It doesn't matter if you're a trust fund baby or a welfare child. It doesn't matter how colorful your past is. It doesn't matter how high you are on the corporate ladder or what you do to pay your bills. My friends, at the foot of the cross, the ground is level. There is equality in Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you guys, that is the best news about the mystery of God. Christ in you, the hope of glory, it's available for all of us, for you and for me. doesn't matter who you are. Jesus loves you. And Jeff shared here this morning, Jesus died for you. He defeated the power of sin and death, and now all who come to him can receive forgiveness and be made new. If you are willing to put faith in what Jesus has done for you with his death and his resurrection, then there is mercy there is grace there's purpose and there's life that's found in him waiting for you the foot of the cross is level my friends so now what for some of you this morning it's gut check time that's what they like to say in football fourth quarter two minutes left game's tied what are you going to do it's gut check time for some of you, you need to make a decision to let Jesus lead in your lives. We believe that God has filled us with his spirit. Now let him lead. And for some of you, Jesus is not even a part of your life. You come to church, but, but Monday to Saturday, he's not living through you. You come here on Sunday to get a little bit of Jesus and then push through the week. You need to let Jesus abide in you. Let him change you. Get into the scripture, get into your prayer life, get together with other Christians. Let the spirit of the living God work in you, and he will reach out through you. So those of you who need to answer the question, do you know him? Then answer it before you leave. The mystery of God that is available to everyone is that when you open up your whole being to Jesus, he will make a home in you by filling you with his Holy Spirit. God wants to live through us and no more of us pulling up our socks, trying to work harder, do better, trying to live for him. We'll close with this. What is the mystery of God? The mystery of God is Messiah in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And that means the hope for your trials is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The hope for your marriage is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The hope that you will be a good, solid Christian parent is Christ in you, the hope of glory. 
The hope that you'll be able to break free from addiction is Christ in you, the hope of glory, and the hope for our church family, our city, our nation, the hope for our future, the hope for our families, the hope for you, the hope for me. It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. That is the mystery of God. We're going to celebrate a time of communion here, the Lord's Supper. Um, I'm going to invite up uh, Pastor Gary. I'm going to invite up uh, some of our elders and deacons. But first, let me pray, and then we'll go to the Lord's table. Please pray with me. Father God, I thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who has made a way for us to be forgiven of our sins, that we could have access to a holy God, the living God, our creator. And God, I thank you that you don't leave us here to figure it out on our own. You bless us and fill us with your Holy Spirit. And now, God, you want to make an appeal to this broken world that desperately needs hope and love and grace and mercy and purpose and life and truth. God, that Holy Spirit wants to reach out through us. I thank you that we get an opportunity here to celebrate what Jesus did with his death and his resurrection. God, all of us here plead for your spirit to speak truth into our lives. Some of us here need encouragement today. We're struggling. Some of us are hearing for the first time what it means to have Jesus in our hearts. And I pray that we would listen to the people you put in our path to help us, to guide us, to support us. Father God, thank you for Jesus. We love him. We're so grateful for the down payment of heaven, the Holy Spirit. Jesus, in your name, your mighty name we pray. Amen.